Hey, what's up? What's up? It's your girls. I'm Rissy and I'm Shelves. And this is the podcast I totally relate. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. (laughs) So lovely to have you. Uh, We are really, really excited to introduce uh, one of the podcast favorites, my dear friend, Stephen, back to the podcast. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Shelby. Uh, Stephen is a certified life coach. Uh, He is also a meditation practitioner, and he hosts a myriad of meditation workshops, and he also does one-on-one I've had the privilege of working with Steven one-on-one, and I cannot recommend it enough. So follow along. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. our dear friend. So we are very excited to bring Steven back onto the podcast. Yay. Yay. After this episode, if you are like, whoa, that was amazing. I want to hear more from him. Please check out episode 49 from season two, To Change You Gotta Wanna. Mm. genius and that is like one of our most popular episodes from season two yeah and we get a lot of feedback about them everyone loves that one nice yeah good reason yeah in fact we got feedback that somebody has listened to your episode over five times wow yeah tell them to call me (laughs) (laughs) you heard it folks if you enjoy this call steven Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, today we brought Steven back onto the podcast to really focus on emotion. Do you kind of want to just dive in a little bit with that, Steven? (laughs) What do you want to know? I want to know why I can't control my emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are three. The way I like to approach emotions is with three questions. The first question is what are emotions? Because emotions are a very powerful part of our life, right? Yeah. You know, emotions can push you into doing things you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And they can stop you or hold you back from doing things you do want to do. Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to understand what they are because in our society in general, we have a pretty fu- fuzzy understanding of what they are. Mm. Yeah. And so for most people, emotions seem kind of mysterious. Yeah. Don't know what they are. Don't know where they come from. Don't know where they go. And don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And so that's what I like to look at. So the first thing I look at is what actually is an emotion. What's another word we use to describe emotions? Feelings. 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 And feelings are, like you said, sensations, right? Yes. So the way I look at it is we have sort of two categories or classes of sensations in our body. We have what we call our five senses, taste, touch, smelling, (laughs) hearing, and seeing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So those are the five physical senses. Yeah. And we experience those kind of on the outside of our body. Yes. Yeah. And then we have another set of sensations that we experience on the inside of our body. And we call those feelings or sensations, we call those emotions to distinguish them from our external sensations, right? Yes. So that's that's very simple understanding. Emotions are sensations or feelings that you experience on the inside of your body. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then the next question is, how many emotions do you have? I don't, I would say that, I don't know. How many different emotions do you have? Like a thousand? A thousand? I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe more like 150. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like a myriad, like 40. There seems like lots and lots of different emotions. And again, I like to simplify that because basically you can take all the emotional responses you have in your body and you can put them into one of two categories. One feels good and the other one doesn't. That's right. Yeah. Bad. They're either good feeling emotions or not so good. Yeah, like yeah. I either want more of that or mm-hmm. I don't want that. That's right. That simplifies it for me. Um, then I don't have to keep track of all the different emotions that I have. Mm-hmm. What did I feel here? What did I? Because we have a lot of different names mm-hmm. to describe our emotions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those usually generally describe the intensity of the emotion we're feeling. Okay. Like I'm pissed off or I'm annoyed or I'm outraged. Yeah. It's the same emotion but just different uh different degrees degrees of of intensity okay Uh and then the other thing that we're describing when we use different words to describe emotion is the context that we're feeling it in Mm -hmm. so shame is a feeling but you can be deeply tragically ashamed if you do something horrible that you feel really ashamed of 
or you can just be embarrassed by something you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same emotion, different degree, different context. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so th- that's what I like to look at. Is I, I, I like to ID uh, understand my emotions as being very simple. Mm-hmm. And when I when, when I understand them as simple, then I can interpret them. I can understand what they mean. Part of that is understanding where they come from. So to help me decipher the message of my emotions, I, I break the, those two large categories down to, into four smaller categories. The good feeling emotion, I call all of them glad. Mm-hmm. Glad, happy, joyous. The not good feeling emotions, I categorize them as either sad, mad, or scared. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, I think you'll realize that every emotion you've ever experienced falls into one of those four categories. Yeah. Either glad, uh, on some degree of the spectrum, or sad, mad, or scared. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Okay. That's kind of the general understanding, the simple understanding I have of emotions. And also, understand this, that the, the, the theories of emotions, there are as many theories about emotions as there are emotions. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. just, everybody likes to explain it a different way. So I'm not saying mine is the one true way or, you know, the gospel, or the only way to understand it. But it's just a simple way I've come to understand emotions that I find it's, help, it's practical. It yeah. helps me then understand them, and then when I can understand them, then I can respond to them. I can never control them, because basically an emotion is an involuntary reaction from, of your body. Okay. If you're really ascended master of a yogi, you can control your breathing and get it down to one breath every minute. Back in the day, they used to yogis used to do that as a demonstration. They would they would have somebody bury him in a coffin and put it in the ground and then dig it up a week later, and they would have survived with just the air that was in the coffin. And David oh. Blaine does similar things. The magician does similar things. Okay. He, he he lowers his metabolism rate. He lowers his his heartbeat and he lowers his respiration to the point that he can be in a sealed box about the size of a coffin for several days. And then they wake him up, and he comes out of the trance, and he's okay. So we can have some degree of control over these involuntary responses. But like you said, when, when is it okay to feel emotions? Well, it's whenever you're breathing. Yeah. Because as soon as you stop breathing, then that's when you stop feeling emotions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So. All right. That makes sense. Got him. <laughs> Are you breathing? <laughs> that's sort of a simple, general understanding that I have of emotions and that's what I use when I teach and I coach is that understanding. So to get a a more in-depth understanding of what emotions actually are, uh, I look to the the science of neuroscience. Okay. And so there was a neuroscientist back in the 70s who, she was one of the original uh, researchers. She actually was the one who discovered, she and her team discovered what they called the opiate receptor. Okay. Which is the receptor on the cell that responds to stimulation by the presence of opiates in your bloodstream. Okay. Okay. And from that discovery of the opiate receptor came the discovery of that you've got thousands of receptors on on the outside of the cell membrane. Each of your cell membrane has these receptors. And whatever chemicals are flowing through your body stimulate those receptors, and then they communicate to the cell what the environment of your cell is. And from that understanding, she then went on to formulate what her understanding is. She, called, she wrote a book describing all of this. She called it Molecules of Emotion. Okay. And her theory, which I subscribe to, is that your brain sends out signals, chemical signals to your body in the form of hormones. She calls them neurotransmitters, or that's what they're commonly known as. They're enzymes, hormones endocrine uh, substances that are all released from your endocrine system. Okay. And those chemicals flow throughout your body and stimulate the receptors on your cells, and then that creates a vibration or a sensation inside your body, and then that's what we interpret as an emotion. That's what, according to Candace Pert and many other neuroscientists, that's the, that's the essence of what an emotion is. It's when neurotransmitters are released from your endocrine system which is stimulated by your, one of the structures in your brain, and says, you know, release adrenaline, release serotonin, release endorphins, release et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. all the different neurotransmitters. 
Okay. And then those neurotransmitters, those chemicals flow throughout our body and we experience, a, we get a buzz. Yeah. It's just like if you take, if you take, if you drink alcohol, you get a buzz because you have a chemical in your body and that stimulates different sensations in your body or other chemicals. Okay. You know, that's what drugs are, are chemicals. You take certain chemicals, you get a buzz. You, you, you feel one way when you take opiates, you feel another way when you take amphetamines. Yeah. Because they're having different chemical reactions in your body. Right. So that's the basis of what I understand as emotions are, is there sensations that you feel inside your body when your brain instructs your endocrine system to release certain neurotransmitters. So this is all based on what the cells in your body are perceiving. Yeah. They're reading the signals, the chemical signature of these different, these different neurotransmitters. And so then they're telling the cell, oh, there's a lot of adrenaline in here. We better pump out more. You know, we better get more energy going or we better more respond this way or that way or whatever they're feeling. You know? Yeah. Oh, opiates, time to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Time to power down, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then Bruce Lipton wrote a really a groundbreaking book called The Biology of Belief. He was a cellular biologist. And he taught for 17 years in the medical school at the University of Wisconsin, I believe it was. And he was a bit troubled by the dogma of genetic determinism, this idea that genes determine everything in our body. Because he saw sometimes genes turn on and sometimes they turn off. And so he, be, he, he began studying that and he, along with other people who were studying at the same time, kind of developed a science that's a branch of science that's called epigenetics. Yes. Epi, epi means above or over. And basically, it's the study of the factors that tell which genes to turn on and off, which control our behavior. Okay? Yeah. And, and to make a long story short, so he wrote this book called The Biology of Belief. And the premise of that is that it is an organism's perception of its environment that determines the response. Okay. Not what the environment actually is, but what the, uh, the organism is seeing. Yes. Or perceiving. Oh, okay. So I put those two ideas from Candace Pert and, and Bruce Lipton together, and I came up with my basic theory of emotions, which is that emotions are your body's response to the perceptions of your environment, your perceptions of your environment. Yeah. To the thoughts you're holding in your head. Very simple little exercise that, you can, that we can do. We'll do it right here. Okay. That we'll kind of demonstrate this, okay? Okay. okay. So just close your eyes and take a kind of centering breath there. And then just imagine that you're sucking on a big, juicy lemon. Okay. And it's really tart and tangy, and it's juicy, and the juice is running down your chin, and it's just... Okay, now stop thinking about that, and then imagine that the room is filled with spiders. Okay. <laughs> and they're all over the walls and the ceiling. They're dropping off the ceiling down onto your hair, and they're crawling on your shoulders and your legs. <laughs> okay, now wipe that out of your mind. And now imagine strolling on the beach at sunset. It's a beautiful day. You're there with your lover, your partner, your friend, or just by yourself. The sun's going down, so peaceful, okay? And now come back and imagine the room is full of snakes. And they're slithering all over the floor, and they're, they're <laughs> climbing up your ankles, and they're getting up on your arms and your shoulders and into your hair. <laughs> Okay, now wipe that out of your mind. And now think about puppies and kittens and rainbows and lollipops and little kids having fun in the park. Okay, now open your eyes and come back into the room. Okay. What did you notice? That I hated the spiders. <laughs> what did you feel in your body? Oh, I felt tight. Like my tight. whole body wants to come in. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was like yeah. a... Would you, would you describe that as a feeling of anxiety or stress? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So spiders and snakes, stress. Yeah. On the beach, puppies and rain and rainbows. Adorable. Relaxing. Relax. Yeah. Relax yeah. the stress, right? Yeah. Okay. And the lemon, did you salivate a little bit? I, my mouth totally was, was watering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. See? So this is a really simple little exercise that demonstrates that. The, and how quickly did your uh, feelings in your body change? When you changed your thoughts, how, quick, how long did it take? As soon as I could picture it. As soon as you had the picture in your mind, then your body responded. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. See? So yeah. My, my idea is that your emotions are your body's response to the thoughts you're holding in your mind. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. 
which explains why two people can be in exactly the same situation and have completely different emotional responses. Yeah. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you and Justin talking, and and he's going, no big deal, and you're going, ah, it's the worst <laughs> thing in the world, right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. 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 Right? Because you have a different perception of the situation right. based on your training and conditioning and your understanding right. of the world. You have a different perception of things. So that's the first thing I understand is that my emotions are not what I deal with directly. I just use them to help me identify the perception I'm holding in my mind. And so then the next question is, what are they good for? Absolutely nothing. nothing. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like they're actually carrying so much information. You're not carrying, but they're like giving you so much information to what's happening to you on the inside. Remember Olivia Newton-John? You're too young. From no, the I remember. Remember? Yeah. Physical. Um, yep. <laughs> listen, let, listen to your body talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what emotions are. It's yeah. your body talking. Yeah. How, does, how does your body communicate with your brain? What does your brain have? Your brain has the ability to manipulate numbers. It thinks in words and it thinks in pictures. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't have pictures. It doesn't have words and it doesn't have numbers. So how can your body and brain communicate? Sensations either physical sensations on the outside of our body, which help us navigate our external world, Mm -hmm. or emotions on the inside of our body, which help us navigate our internal world. Yeah. The world of our thoughts. So how detrimental is it for when, like when people say like, get a hold of your emotions or like when people try to control their emotions and they're trying to like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel sad. I don't Mm want to feel like, it seems like, I mean, and is this why we keep the inside of our body? Because this is the only communication system that our bodies and our brains have together, right? So, mm-hmm. so it really, if we're not listening to what our body is trying to communicate, we could really get ourselves in a bind. We do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many times have you stuffed and stored an emotion for a long period of time and then it came out some in some mm, sort of ugly 15 way? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. One that I am only aware of now, but at least 15 years, yeah. Uh-huh. And how did it come out? Don't have to be specific, but did it come out in a good way? An eruption. <laughs> an eruption. That's right. That's right. See, we stuff and we store all this crap and we pack it down in there. And then one tiny little thing bursts the bubble. And yes. Yeah. And we turn, you know, we go nuclear. Yep. And our spouse is sitting there going, what did I say? Yeah. Or what did I do? I have no idea. This is freaking me out. Yeah. So, yeah, emotions don't go away. They don't go Mm -hmm. away. Sigmund Freud nailed it 150 years ago or whatever it was when he said, unexpressed emotions never die. They're buried alive and come out in uglier ways. Yeah. And that's what happens. Uh. So the way I say it is bad emotions never die if you bury them. They just turn into zombies and eat your brains out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. then you get irrational and you go crazy. You just freak out, right? Yeah. yeah. Stuffing and storing your emotions is not a good, it's not a healthful strategy. It, uh, not long-term anyway. It's useful in short-term situations because, you know, when you're at work or if your child is in crisis, you don't have time to sit down and process your emotions, right? Yeah. You're driving on the freeway. Whatever you're doing out there in the world, you don't really have a lot of time to sit down and be introspective and process your emotions. But what we tend to do is we say we just stuff it, mm-hmm. but then we never get back to it. Yeah. And then we stuff the next one on top of that, and then the next one on top of that for 10, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they, if they don't interrupt in some sort of irrational outburst, they will turn into, I believe that all of our neurotic behavior... You know, like procrastination, all our self-defeating behaviors, all our bad habits, all of our addictions, all of these self-sabotage things that we do are all functions of uh, emotions that we haven't fully finished processing. Yeah. Emotional conflicts that we buried. Yeah. And they're just poking their head up. And they'll turn into either bad behavior or they'll turn into physical diseases. And all our physical diseases can be linked back. And there's a a really interesting new theory about uh, disease. It's called German New Medicine or Germanic healing practices. Tell me more. Yeah, there was a doctor in Germany who began studying these things, and he began, he studied it so so finely, and his team and everybody, they studied it so well, 
that they've been able to link specific diseases to what they call emotional shock or sh conflict shocks, which I would refer to as you know traumatic memories or unresolved emotions. Okay. emotional conflicts. So like for instance testicular cancer, that's where he came up with it. His son died in a very unfortunate manner and two years later he, he developed t testicular cancer. And so then he st started studying that and said, is there a connection? As he studied it over and o he studied it, saw it over and over and over again and it was such a distinct, clear, repeatable pattern that he said this is not, this is not a theory anymore, this is a law. And he has five laws that he's defined that show how our Unresolved emotional uh, conflicts, what he calls conflict shocks, or traumatic memories, if they're buried and held long enough, turn into specific diseases, breast cancer, thyroid problems, lung cancer, all your bowel stuff, TMJ, scoliosis, you know, twist your spine out of shape, all of these things. Unresolved emotions, unexpressed emotions never die, they just come out in uglier ways, either emotionally psychologically or physically in the form of physical diseases. If you bury an emotion, it like lives in you and it comes out uglier. But if we're doing that for years upon years upon years, and this is now we're dealing with bigger problems. So instead of that hurt feelings, you might be dealing with lies or deceit or like these larger things. Yeah, um, that unresolved conflict pushes you into doing things that create bigger problems. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. That's, what, that's what bad habits are. That's what self-sabotage is, and that's what addictions are. Okay. They're, so, they're behaviors that you do to avoid emotional discomfort, and in the result of those are they create more problems yeah, right. than the in initial trauma. So that's what I look at is what's, what's the difference between responding and reacting? Reacting, I feel like, is like without thinking. You yeah. just react. It's automa automatic, right? Yeah. It's, it's involuntary. It yeah. feels like it's, it's in fight or flight mode. It's habitual. It's yes. instinctual or habitual, mm. right? Yeah. So it's automated. No thought goes into it. Yeah. And most people react to their emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what does it mean to respond? To be intentional or thoughtful about it, like yeah, to have a choice. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like Stephen Covey uh, said that uh, between stimulus and response, there's choice. Yeah. And that's how we become responsible or responsible, is taking that <laughs> pause to choose. Okay. What we're going to respond instead of reacting, instead of flying off the handle, and blurting out a bunch of nasty names and words and things like that, yeah. screaming and throwing things. We take ten breaths and then we think. How would I rather respond? Yes. And that's the trick, is to learn how to respond to your emotions yeah. rather than reacting to them. So that segues very nicely into where do they come from? Well, and what we've established is they come from your perceptions. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with emotions you don't like, where, do you, where can you go to change them? So one strategy is to stuff and store it. And we've kind of talked about how unhealthy that is mm -hmm. long term. Okay. Yeah. Another strategy is to, so that's ignoring, stuffing and storing. Another strategy that's really common in our, in our culture is to weaponize them and use, against, use them against other people. Yeah. Right? And so we use them for emotional manipulation. Yeah. Can you give me an example of what that would look like? Weaponizing an emotion? Yeah. <laughs> Just think of the last fight you ever had with anybody. And it was, that's when you weaponized your fear and fired it in anger at them. Okay. Okay, so is this like you made me feel this way? Yeah, or is you that kind of like that? Mm -hmm, that's yeah. Anytime you say you made me feel something, first of all, you've given you've given your entire power as a human being away yeah. to the other person. You've become a puppet on a string. Yeah. Or a robot with buttons that they push. That's the first problem with that. And the second problem is that it's not true. Yeah. I cannot make you feel anything. You feel only what you perceive. Now, you know, people can mess with your mind. They can, they can force drugs on you, and that can mess you up and take away your free will and things like that. But they can't just by putting a gun at your head, they can't take your free will away. Or they can't starve you into changing your emotions. You, you're, you're, you, know, you choose all your emotions at any moment. Not the emotion themselves, but you choose how you perceive the situation, and then that determines how you feel about it. That's why the Buddhist monks can sit there, in, like in, in, during the Vietnam War, there are some Buddhist monks that, de that protested the war 
by sitting in the middle of the town square and pouring gasoline on themselves and lit themselves on fire. And then they just sat there making the sign of peace in meditation until their body incinerated. They have, we have that degree of control. Wow. Okay. Takes a bit of med- takes a, takes yeah. a few thousand hours of meditation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to huh. develop that, that yeah. ability. But uh, that's the premise is that we have that ability to control our emotions, not our emotions that way, but control our perception, which then controls how our body responds. Mm-hmm. The, what you're getting at is how do I respond to my emotions? Isn't that your question? Yeah. Like how can I show up today without that like stuffing and storing? Mm-hmm. So we can either stuff and store or then we can use emotions to manipulate ourselves or other people. Okay. Right. And so we can do that either passive aggressively by, you know, what passive aggressive mm-hmm. is, you know, you like you pretend you go along with somebody, but in the back, you're just kind of in your mind, you're just waiting and holding, you're going mm-hmm. to stab them in the back as soon as they turn their back, you know, like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. And that's a popular method. Yeah. That's a popular method for <laughs> controlling our emotions because yeah. I'm just waiting for my chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then other, or we could, we get aggressive and where we just can't stand it anymore. We, we go nuclear. We just can't keep it tamped down anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we, uh, and then we start yelling and we start throwing things. We start mm-hmm. using insults and threats. And then it always, that will escalate to physical violence. Mm-hmm. And that's what abuse is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so those are ways that, those are common strategies that most people I see in our society use to try to deal with their emotions. You know, they just don't really work. They're, they're really short term. Yeah. They'll get you through the moment, but long term they'll kill you. Yeah. They'll make you sick and they'll make you die. And they'll mess up your relationships and they'll mess up your, your joy of, li- of living and all of your uh, experience of life. They'll mess it up. Yeah. Okay. And then if none of those work, we, then we turn to medications. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and so we use cigarettes or alcohol or drugs, either prescription drugs or street drugs, yeah. to change the chemistry in our body. So then that changes our emotional state. So then we can deal with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Feeling too much stress, take a little THC. Feeling too much anger, take a little pill, calm down. Mm. Feeling out of control, take some Ritalin. You know, feeling, yeah. la- feeling lazy, take some meth. You know, crank it up. Yeah. Amphetamines. And so those are the, pop, the most popular ways that people have of dealing with their emotions is yeah. either by ignoring them, stuffing and storing, or mani- using them to manipulate themselves and other people, uh, either pass ag- aggressively or aggressively, or then um, medicating. Yeah. None of those sound like good options. <laughs> They're not healthy options. No. <laughs> It's not to say that they're bad, you know. I mean, if, if, if the world gets on top of you, it's not too bad to take a pill and check out for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. to get the rest you need. I mean, it's just the same as if you're in a car wreck and you break your back, you need a little pain medication yeah. to help your body heal. And so p- drugs per se and these techniques per se are not bad in and of themselves. It's because we use them as long-term strategies. Yeah. And so then we mm-hmm. never get to the underlying, the root cause, we never get to the underlying emotion, the conflict, because it's always an emotional conflict, something mm-hmm. we want that we believe we can't have. Yeah. Because yeah. the body has the wisdom within itself. Uh, everything you need, you already have. Okay. Okay, so... And so then the emotions are your body's way of telling your brain what it needs. Just like your physical sensation are your body's way of telling your brain what it needs. Hunger. Oh, get some food. Yeah. Thirsty, get some water. Tired, get some rest. You know, your body tells your brain what it needs, and then your brain has to figure out the solution. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so if you're not listening to your body, your body will be telling you, give me more of this, I need more of this, I need more of that. And you're saying, no, I'll give you this instead. And then after a while, your body says, okay, well, if you're not going to give me the proper nutrition, then I can't keep things up and I'll just get sick. Yeah. If you're not going to give me the proper, meet my emotional needs, then I'll just act badly. Yeah. So okay. That, so. I was going to say, so is yeah. there, do you have another option for us other mm-hmm. than ignoring? Oh, no, you're just going to have to suffer it out for the rest <laughs> of your life. <laughs> We're just stuck. This is, life sucks and then you die. <laughs> Well, you're not wrong. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've got some I've got some good things. So 
So we've answered, we've kind of looked at the first two questions. What are emotions mm -hmm. and what, where do they come from? Yeah. They come from our perceptions. So then the question is, how do you respond effectively yeah. and constructively to mm -hmm. your emotions instead of reacting with all these destructive things? Yes. So how do you do that? What is the key to respond constructively to emotions? And the key is to understand where they come from. Where do emotions come from? They come from, it's our body communicating with us. Mm -hmm. They're the in, and, they're and it's sensations on perception. the inside. Yeah, and so you're, where? A perception. Your perceptions. Yeah. Your emotions. So when you hold a perception in your mind, just like you held that thought about snakes and spiders, your body reacted. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even though there weren't snakes and spiders around here, you just held the thought in your mind. That was your perception. Yeah. And your body responded to that. Yeah. Right. So how did you change that? I thought about something else. You changed your perception. Yeah. And your, your emotions changed immediately. Yes. So that's how you do it. That's the simple, that's the simple process. Okay. You don't process the emotion. Your body will process the emotions because your body creates the emotions. Yeah. Uh, in fact, your body will process any emotion you have in less than 30 seconds after you change the emotion, uh, perception. What? Okay, dip into that a little bit more. Because in my mind, I'm thinking like, what, what are you supposed to do with your feelings? You're supposed to feel them. And when you feel them, then you naturally move through them, right? Is that kind of like the thing? Well, that's, the, like, that's the kind of the the new way wavy kind of thinking yeah. about it yeah but it, it doesn't it, it kind of gets you stuck in there okay because then you're stuck in your emotions i'm, oh, I'm feeling all these emotions now what am i supposed to do yeah this sucks <laughs> yeah so if you don't take it to the next step where all you do is when all you do is feel the emotion then your body's just kind of stuck with the emotion right so what's the next step i need to change my perception change the perception yeah so then you ask yourself okay what is the perception that i'm holding that's creating this emotion why am I so angry at my husband? He did this, and that really made me so mad mm -hmm. because I didn't like what he did. So I got really angry at that. So what is my anger about? Mm -hmm. And then you can identify what your anger is about, and then you can ask yourself, is that legitimate? Okay. And if it's a legitimate reason, then you say, okay, then how can I solve that problem? Okay. If it's not a legitimate reason, then what's going to happen to your anger? It's going to fizzle out. It'll just go Phew. Less than 30 seconds. And I'm not kidding you. You you just you can test it just the same way we did that little exercise. <laughs> really crank yourself up, mm -hmm. <laughs> get really furious and angry, mm -hmm. and then change your perception and watch how fast your body flushes that emotion out. You have to feel it, and you have to intentionally change your perception. Then you have to go beyond it. You have to ask, what is the message my body is sending to my brain? What is my body trying to tell me? What is my body trying to tell me? So you have to listen. <laughs> you have to okay. Listen. So, so that's why that's why you have to listen to the emotions. Yeah. There's a saying in the twelve step program, you gotta feel to heal. Yeah. But feeling is not the end. You can't heal just by feeling. You have to take it to the next step, which is to understand what the feeling is communicating so that then you can do something about the situation. For example, if you're out walking in the woods and a bear jumps out behind the tree, from behind the tree, what are you gonna feel? Fear. Fear. So then what is your body trying to tell you? Get away. You're going to die. you got to go. <laughs> yeah. So fear, there's a couple of acronyms for fear. Fear means false evidence appearing real. You heard that one? No, no. but Which, I like that. Imaginary, okay. okay. But also means F everything and run. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, so if you don't listen to that message, you say, oh, there's a bear. How fascinating. I want to meet a bear. I've never seen a bear. And you don't listen to the message. You could be in trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you listen to the message and then you respond appropriately. Okay. okay. What if it turns out you thought it was a bear, but it turned out just a big dog? It might laugh it off. <laughs> and then you, then you go, ah. Oh. And you pet the dog and everybody's yeah. happy, unless it's a rabid dog, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. That's, again, that's fear. So, but your perception. So how many times have you had that situation where you've been in a fight with your spouse or with a friend or with somebody and then suddenly... You saw it differently, and ugh, you felt like an idiot. Oh, yeah. Often. Okay. And what changed? I learned where they were coming from. In other words, you changed, changed your perception. perception. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, you weren't trying to be mean to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so in I fact, don't fact, what you said, upset. from where you come from in your family, that's a perfectly normal way of talking. Yeah. But in my family, that's what, them's fighting words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so then you come together because you had a different understanding, you had a different perception, and then your emotions change. Yeah. Okay. 
Ooh, okay, so, well, that seems so, real simple. It is. Why it's, do we make it so hard? Why does it feel so hard? Because people have a vested interest in keeping you stuck in your emotional discomfort. Okay. A lot of people are making a lot of money out of your emotional discomfort. Okay, yeah. so this is like the beauty industry. Like, you feel ugly. You need our mascara. You need this Botox. You need these shoes. And big pharma. Oh, snap. Okay. Yep. You're anxious. You're depressed. You need this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Ooh, yeah. so is this manipulation? Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a very large scale. Yeah. See, marketers understand these principles, and they know how to use them to get you to spend your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't want you to understand how easy it is for you to manage your own emotions. So they're, they're words like control, self-regulation, manage. I don't like those words because they impro- imply this sense of control. And Do you like feeling controlled? No. Even no. if you're controlling yourself, does that feel good? Only temporarily. Mm-hmm. Just gets you through. Yeah. But it's not a good feeling. Control is not a good feeling because your your innate being, your soul, your internal self is naturally free. And yeah. it doesn't like anything that restricts that freedom. Mm. This is why diets don't work. That's right. That's exactly right. And you want to talk about manipulating you for money. Yeah. How much money does the diet industry make in America today generate? Oh, billions. billions. 78, 78 was the last number that I heard. $78 billion a year. You want to be free. So rather than using the words control, manage, or regulate my emotions, I use the word respond to my mm-hmm. emotions. That way I'm in harmony. I'm bringing my, my, my brain and my mind, my body, back in alignment, in harmony with each other. And that always feels good. Yeah. Even if I'm angry, if I'm in a harmony and alignment, that feels good. Mm-hmm. And then, so then the question is, so... The way to do that is to understand the message that your body is communicating through that emotion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what is the message of anger? Your boundaries have been crossed. Boundaries have been crossed. Something's not fair. Like, I don't like that. Okay. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me back up and ask you, what is the message of fear? So fear is the emotion we feel when we perceive a threat. Yes. Any kind of danger or threat stimulates the emotion of fear. Yes. Okay. Sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you feel fear, there are four questions to ask yourself. The first question is, what is the threat? Because a lot of times we're feeling anxious and we don't really can't put our finger on it. Don't really know why. Just kind of this general sense of anxiety. I woke up this morning, I'm just frustrated. So the first thing to do is identify the threat. Okay. Because until you identify the threat, what can you do about it? You're yeah. just going to keep feeling anxious. You're just you solve the wrong problem. Feeling, You're just going to uh-huh. be stuck in that feeling. See, so that's why just being with the feeling doesn't do you any good. Mm. Oh, I'm anxious. Okay, what's the threat? Because anxiety is a form of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worry okay. is a form of fear. Yeah. Frustration is a form of fear. So I'm, I'm feeling fearful. In other words, I'm seeing a threat. So what's the threat? So what are the kinds of threats that you see on a regular basis in your life that generate fear or anxiety or frustration for you? Something will happen to my kids. Okay. Someone might not like me. Okay. Good. Keep going. What are, the, what are the threats that you see in the world out there? What are the threats that you perceive on I'm a regular gonna, basis that generate that feeling of anxiety? I'm going to make the wrong decision. I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to mm-hmm. screw it up. It's going to yeah. be my fault. Yeah. I say fear comes in four forms. <laughs> There's FOMO, FOLO, and fofu. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I know FOMO, I think. Fear of missing out. Yeah. FOLO. Fear, fear of, of losing out. Losing out. And fofu. Fear, uh, of... fear of fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See? So if you're feeling anxious, am I, am I FOMO, FOLO, or fofu today? So then you identify the fear. You identify the threat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once you've identified the threat, the next question is, is it real or is it imaginary? Because if it's an imaginary threat, what's going to happen? It'll fizzle out. So if it it is imaginary and you really get that it's imaginary, then you're not going to feel the fear anymore because your body won't spend resources on something it doesn't need. See, fear is a mechanism to preserve your life, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And if there's no threat, your body is not going to spend the time cranking you up. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So if it's if it's imaginary, you're done. Okay. If it's a real threat, then what have you got? Well, now you need action. Yeah, because a threat really, in my in my definition, a threat is a problem you don't know how to solve. Because as soon as you know how to solve it, no threat. Right? Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. So so if you can see it that way, then immediately your brain turns the threat into a problem that it needs to solve, and your brain loves to solve problems, and so all of the energy that's stirred up by the fear emotion turns into creative energy to solve the problem. What I like to do is teach people a systematic approach. Yeah. So they can just go step by step through the process, and they can do it very quickly. Once you master the process, it becomes a skill, and once ah. it's a skill, then it becomes automated, becomes a habit. And it just becomes the way you react in the world, respond mm -hmm. to the world. What if the fear doesn't go away? You've it's not it's not imaginary. It's not a real threat, but it's still feeling there. So where does that mean? Where is it coming from then? Yeah. Then it's a memory. It's a traumatic memory that you haven't resolved. It's an emotional conflict yeah. from the past that you haven't resolved yet. When you identify it as a memory, then you, there's a different process you go to to resolve that. Okay, so the message of fear is threat. Yeah. And you can neutralize the threat just simply by identifying it, determining if it's real or imaginary or a memory. Okay? Okay. So then and anger is just the outward form of fear. Anger okay. is when we weaponize our fear and project it at something else or somebody else. And that can be very useful in physically threatening situations. The grandma can lift the car off the trapped child, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. It's really harmful in our relationships. Yeah. When we weaponize our fear and project it at our partner, that's always damaging. And when I learned to, instead of projecting my anger at my wife, to communicate my fear to her, that's when I stopped fighting with her. So I would say, I'm really afraid of this and this, and this is not your fault that I'm afraid. This is my fear. This is my feeling. And I'm not blaming you or putting it on you, but I'm telling you what it is so that you understand what I'm feeling, my mm. fear. Okay, so this is you taking accountability. Mm -hmm. Taking for responsibility your, for yes, my fear, for, for my own emotions. Okay. Because they're mine, they're not hers. Yeah. And she's not making them fe me feel them. I'm feeling, she may be doing something I don't like, but I'm responding with fear to it because I feel threatened because of a traumatic memory or she's doing something that I don't know. She's creating a problem I don't know how to solve. So it feels like a threat to me, mm. that kind of thing. Okay. I'm never going to make her happy, so I feel threatened. <laughs> yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So would you, in that scenario, you're having a tiff or some sort of altercation with your wife, what's coming up for you at first response is you're like, I'm never going to be good enough for you. No, but that's not my first response. That's that's underneath it all. My first response is to be afraid. And then what I used to do is get angry and fire at her and tell her she needs to change her behavior so I didn't have to feel afraid. But now you would now say... I just say, I'm afraid. And this is what's coming up for and me. And here's why I'm afraid. Because if you think about it, if you'll if you go back and think about all of your fights, mm -hmm. you'll see that you were just... Both of you were fighting about your fears. You were defending your fears, you were defending yourself, and you were attacking them, and you were defending, and they were attacking you, and you're defending yourself. And it all comes down to you're afraid that you're not going to get what you want. Hmm. Okay, Stephen, let me ask you a question here. Yeah. If we weren't both participating, then it, there wouldn't be a fight? Or could there still be a fight even if How could one... there be a fight if one person didn't? It takes two to fight. Okay, but there could be harm done. Could be harm done. But and somebody could fight. choose to... Mm -hmm. leave the situation mm -hmm. and that's a healthier response than firing back with anger okay just step away so if you find yourself like in a Stevenson fight you're not said, being perfect <laughs> if you find yourself fighting back then you're not being perfect yeah if you're defending yourself or attacking back if you're using anger against the other person in any way yeah then that's not a loving yeah place to be okay and that's always driven by my fears that's always driven by my fears that I'm not going to be good enough in the situation, that I can't mm -hmm. solve the problem, that I don't know how to uh, answer the question, I don't, I don't know what to do, uh, I'm not going to get what I want. Yeah. I'll just say this once and then we'll come back to it, but basically every emotional disturbance, uh, the root of every emotional disturbance is fear. Okay. And unless you identify the fear and, and resolve it, 
the, the emotional disturbance won't go away. It'll just amplify or you stuff and store it and then it'll amplify. Okay. And then underneath the fear is always one thought that I want something and I believe I can't get it. Mm, that's the root. Like? That's the root of all fear. Wanting something you believe you can't get. Yeah. yeah. Because if you want something and you believe you can get it, what are you going to feel? Ambition, excitement. Excitement. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Christmas Day. This is great. Yeah. yeah. Like I get this <clears> thing <throat> that I really want. Yeah. If you don't want it and you're pretty sure, sure you couldn't get it anyway, what are you going to feel? Nothing. Mm -mm. Nothing. Could Me. care less. Yeah. Yeah. The only time you feel any kind of what we call negative emotion, and I don't like that term, and I'll explain why in a minute. The only time we don't uh, we feel that kind of emotional discomfort is when we want something, and for whatever reason, we think we can't get it, and then mm -hmm. that stirs up our fear, which we then because we're we've been trained in our society that fear is a sign of weakness. Yes. And if we show fear, then people are going to manipulate us and take advantage of us and use us, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we yeah. don't show fear. So then what we do is we show anger. And then anger is always projecting that fear on somebody else and blaming them for it instead of saying, I'm afraid because I don't know how to solve this problem. I want something. I want something from you, and I don't know how to get it. I want you to be happy, but I don't know how to do that. I want you to give me something, but I don't know how to ask for it. I don't know how to negotiate for it. I don't know what I can give you in exchange. I just don't know how to solve the problem. So I'm feeling a lot of fearful right now. Yeah. And so that's what all our fights are about. Yeah. And if you can just recognize that and own that, you won't fight anymore. It doesn't mean you're not going to have disagreements. It doesn't mean that you won't have different ideas about things. It doesn't mean you're always going to be happy, hunky-dory, you know, yeah. with each other. You know, you have very different points of view. My wife and I still have very different points of view about life. But we don't fight. Yeah. We communicate our fears to each other. That takes you to a very possible, positive place because then you can examine what's possible. Yeah. And you can say, okay, so here's what I want. So then what are the reasons I feel like I can't get it? And then what could I do differently? And start exploring possibilities. So fear and anger, they, all come, they both come from the same place. And the message is there's a threat and I don't know how to solve it. Let me say why I don't like to call them negative emotions because negative has a negative connotation mm -hmm. <laughs> when you say it's negative then that means that's something wrong with it right yeah or it's bad yeah and you shouldn't feel that way yeah so then we feel shame for feeling that way or guilty maybe or you know i shouldn't feel this way then we just try to avoid it and then we suppress it we stuff and store it or ignore it avoid it yeah so i call it emotional discomfort because then that allows me to address it and to allow yeah. it, feel it and so i still feel a lot of emotional discomfort in fact i feel all my emotions all day every day yeah. But I don't avoid them. I process them all day, every day. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of how I've learned to live my life now. So then the next question is, what is the message of sad? Okay. What, what, what is the message your body is sending to your brain when you're feeling the emotion of sadness? Sad. I'm feeling sad. Or, or another way. Grief? Uh, what is grief? But grief is just another term Loss. for sad. Loss. Yes. Loss. Isn't something. sad always about loss? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what you feel when you lost something that mattered to you, that was important to you. Yeah. A relationship, a thing, a person, mm -hmm. or your own self-respect, or something that mattered to you. Yeah. Then you yeah. feel sadness, right? Yeah. And how do we respond typically to sadness in our society? Well, we don't, but maybe cry. <laughs> Alone, off by ourselves because we're ashamed of our Isolation. tears and our runny nose and our screwed up face yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah. 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 We've been trained in our society. We've been taught to be ashamed yeah. of these so-called negative emotions. Yeah. I mean, we're allowed to be angry. Yes. We're not allowed to be afraid and we're not about allowed to be sad. Because as soon as somebody gets sad, immediately everybody dives in to cheer them up, right? Yeah. In fact, the way sadness is treated in our society is like COVID. Like it's an infectious disease. Yeah. And don't get any of that on sure. me. Let's go to the bar, get drunk, go to the movie, go shopping. You know, whatever we have to do to get you cheered up so that you don't get any of your sadness on me because I'm carrying such a load of crap myself that if, if you get some of that on me, I'm going to break down and start crying. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's how we play that game with sadness. Yeah. And it really robs us of something that I think is very important because what is the energy of sadness? Is it kind of like anger or fear where you're, it's out there mm -mm. or, and no, it's 
it's in here. Yeah, it kind of draws you in, doesn't it? Yeah. It's kind of an inflowing energy, right? Mm -hmm. And if you follow that flow of energy, of sadness, it, you become introspective, don't you? When you get really sad, don't you know, take long walks in the rain and, and sit on the beach and look at the waves and you just think about your life, right? Mm -hmm. And what sadness reveals to you is what you truly want, your authentic desires. Yeah. Because so much of our life energy is spent trying to get stuff that we've, we've been told we should want, that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to act this way, we're supposed to be that. Most people fail at being who they're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. But sadness will teach you who you really are, and then you can live the life that you really want. Yeah. Because sadness clarifies, sorrow clarifies what you want, what you truly want. Yeah. Because like Joni Mitchell used to sing, you don't, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, mm. right? Yeah. So most of us, when we have things in our lives that we value, we tend to take them for granted because we get so busy and caught up taking care of everybody else and things like that. We don't fully appreciate what we've got. And then it gets taken away and we go, oh, shit, that really mattered to me. Yeah. And that's how we know what we want. That's how we clarify what we want. Mm. And then we can use that knowing to move forward to create more of what we love. Yeah. So I call sadness and sorrow, to me, it's a spiritual experience. Mm. It's a sanctifying spiritual experience. And tears, <laughs> I call them holy water. Because my tears are the outward manifestation of the sorrow in my heart, which is really the clarification of my tr true desires. Yeah. So when we try to cheer people up, we're interrupting that process for them. So I never try to cheer anybody up when they're sad. I just say, what do you want? What did you, what do you feel like you've lost? What do you really want? And yeah. what's keeping you from getting it? What, you know, and how can I help you? How can I help you get what you want? Yeah. And that's how I help myself and that's how I help anybody else who's feeling the emotion of sadness in any given moment. Yeah. Okay, you know that saying where like you hear something that like you've never heard before, but like when you hear it, you just like wisdom or something? You recognize it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. That's called truth. <laughs> now you're probably wanting to know, well, how do I do this? How do I That is exactly. <laughs> Was that the I next question? I was like, question? can you give us like three <laughs> activities that would help us get? Yeah, mm -hmm, that's exactly what I want okay, to so know. So get out your pencil and paper and write this down because there's a very specific process okay. to help you respond to your emotional discomfort. First of all, with anger and fear, it's always about a problem that you don't know how to solve. Mm -hmm. So then you ask yourself, what are the lessons I need to learn? What are the problems I need to solve? What do I need to get? What are the resources I need to get? FOFO means I don't have enough resources, mm -hmm. right? So I'm gonna screw oh, yeah. this up. Yeah. So do I need more money? Do I need more education? Do I need more training and skill, practice, whatever, okay? So that's the first thing. With anger and fear, you say, what do I need to do to get what I want? Okay. Okay, so there are three questions that will generally you can generally apply to all this emotional discomfort, and they'll neutralize all of it if you really sit with them and work through them, okay? Well, first of all, what is the basis? What is the origin of all emotional discomfort? Our perception. Our perception, and what perception creates emotional discomfort instead of emotional joy? Fear. Fear, and what's underneath all fear? It's a fear of not having something that you want. Right, wanting something you believe you can't get. Yes. Or you can't have. Yes. So then what would be the first question you would ask what yourself? What do I want? What do I want? And see, that's what, that's what all of these emotional discomforts reveal to you is what do I want? What am I trying to get? Ooh. Bear jumped out. I want to live. I better run. Yeah. You know? Mm. My lover left me. Damn, I want to love her. I better go find another one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Whatever the situation is, your emotion tells you what you want. Yeah. And then your brain has to figure out the strategy for how to get it. So then you say, what do I want? And then you say, okay, well, here's what I want, but I'm feeling negative emotion or emotional discomfort. That means I believe I can't get it some, for some reason. Mm -hmm. So then you say, what's in the way? Yeah. What do I perceive as being the obstacles? What's preventing me from getting this? And they're usually some form of limiting beliefs or thinking errors. Yeah, okay. I'm not like, good enough. Yeah. I can't do this. I'm a woman. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time, energy, or money. I don't have enough resources. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not disciplined enough. We got all these victim stories we tell ourselves about mm -hmm. why we can't do or be or have whatever we say we want. Mm 
yeah. or we feel we want in our heart. Okay? So then you identify what the ob obstacle is. Okay. And then you say, what could I do differently? Yeah. What can I do differently? What I can I do that differently? One. Yeah. How can, okay. I, how can I change what I'm doing? Because what I'm doing hasn't brought me close to what I want, so what can I do differently? What could I do? What's the next thing I could do that would be different that would move me closer to what I want? So you just repeat those three questions over and over in your mind. The moment you feel sad, mad, or scared, what do I want? Why do I think I can't have it? And what can I do differently? Yeah. And that will keep you your wheels turning. Yeah. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You want to know what I love about this? Tell me. Your application of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, yes. So what I call this overall, the overall theme of this is a systematic process of compassionate self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. Because curiosity, you know, to, in order to, to get what you want, you have to ask questions, be willing to ask questions yeah. of yourself. Yeah. But in our society, self-inquiry takes mostly the form of what's wrong with me? Yeah. Why am I so stupid? Mm -hmm. Why am I such a loser? Why yeah. can't I ever do anything right? How come I keep screwing this? How come I keep doing this over and over again? Why can't I get out of this situation? Yeah, on and on and on. Those are all completely disempowering questions, right? Yeah. Because they presuppose there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with you. You just have some ideas in your head that aren't in alignment with who you really are. And as soon as you correct those, everything, the, the, the creative energy of the life force power of the universe flows through you and creates the results that you, that you love, that you want. Yeah. That's really empowering. Hooah! That's your superpower, baby. So how to get from here to there. So three questions. What are they? What do you, what do <clears throat> what I do want? You want? No, what do I want? Yeah, what do I want? Because this is about your life, <laughs> not mine. What do I want? Why do I think I can't have it? And what can I do differently? Right, okay. So memorize those, tattoo those on your wrist or someplace <laughs> where you can see them. Yeah. Time. yeah. Okay. And then the process is this. So write this down. It's five steps. First, identify the reason you believe you can't get what you want. Identify the emotion, the emotional discomfort you're feeling, and then articulate the reason that you believe you, you can't get what you want. And then you contemplate that. Mm -hmm. You just kind of bounce back and forth between your head and your heart and say, is this a real threat? Is this a, real me is this a memory? If it's a memory, what do I need to go back and correct? And you contemplate that. And this is a form of thinking that's not taught in our school system. Yeah. In our school system, we're taught critical thinking. We're taught uh, decision-making. We're taught creative thinking. You know, these are all, these are all outward, uh, aggressive forms of thinking that sort of help you f uh, make plans, form goals, make plans, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't really help you get into your heart. Mm -hmm. Contemplation. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's very close to meditation. In earlier days, earlier times, contemplation was a well-regarded form of yeah. prayer and thinking. But yeah. in our fast-paced society, it's been kind of pushed aside. Contemplate for a while. And then the next step is to communicate it. So either speak it to somebody that you trust who, who is not going to invalidate your emotions, not going to tell you that you're wrong or you're stupid for thinking or feeling these things, but will support you and will mm -hmm. encourage you, and mostly just reflect back to you uh, so that you can hear. Because when, sometimes when we say, hear it in our head and then we say it with our mouth, it comes out different. Yeah. And we say, oh, yeah, it, hurt, it sounded good when I said it here, but it didn't sound so good when I said it in my mouth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so as, you, as you can communicate with somebody, then you can hear how it sounds out in the world. And if you don't feel safe communicating with another person, and that's what coaches are for, that's what I'm good for. You know? yeah. That's what therapists are really supposed to be good for, is, is bouncing our feelings and thoughts off. And priests and pastors and ministers and, and really partners in, our, in an intimate relationship, that's the ideal in an intimate relationship, yeah. is to have a partner that you could share these deep thoughts and feelings with. But if, that, if you don't have access to that right now, then just write it out. And that's what logs and diaries and journals are for. Mm -hmm. And so those are good ways to do, communicate it as well. And the thing about communicating is it takes almost all the emotional charge off of what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing how your emotions, once you can I really speak clearly about what you're thinking, phew, emotion just dissipates like that. Yeah. And then once the emotion has dissipated, the energy of that emotion has dissipated, 
then you can go to the final step, which is to reframe. Okay. Come to a new conclusion, a new definition, a new idea, a new, a new thing to try. See your traumatic memory from a different point of view. So you see that maybe you weren't a powerless victim, but you were just a small child. And so, yeah, you were powerless in that moment, but you're not that powerless now. Mm. So you reframe, right? Mm. So that's it. So I write these words down. Identify, articulate, contemplate, communicate, reframe. Okay. And that's the yeah. process. takes you through the whole thing. So I came into this conversation thinking, okay, you need to feel your feelings when you feel them appropriately, then they will go away. But what I feel like you just helped me understand was that when you – listen to what your body is trying to tell you listen then to your it body talk then it goes away because you now are doing something about it you're you're applying you know if your body's saying like hey like help i'm nervous about something when you do those five steps then you alleviate that nervousness because now you've reframed it or have you have a solution so it's not just feeling your feelings it's so when applying. next time you're hungry just sit in the hunger for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or get up and get a hot dog. Yeah, right. yeah. Right? You, you. It should compel you into some kind of. It's a message. Action. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. It's, it's, I get that now. I see yeah. that. Something that I like too between the first three: the identify, articulate, and contemplate. Mm -hmm. And I've been guilty of this a lot throughout my life. Is sometimes off shooting like a situation and instantly looking for connection rather than taking the time to articulate with myself yeah. what mm. it is that I'm yep. feeling yep. or because correct me if I'm wrong, like contemplation is yourself, right? Is like it's, it's, it's a single act of ideating like within the mind, like trying on a shoe, right? Like, I, it's more than the mind. It's the mind and the heart. Okay. Contemplation involves both going from the mind and the heart, bouncing back and forth between your thoughts and your feelings, mm -hmm. and seeing the connection between your thoughts and yeah. your feelings. I just think once you can that make that connection, that's the key. Yeah, making the connection between your thoughts and your feelings. I, I I think that's just so important, especially for like our listeners to really identify and articulate what it is that you're feeling before you try to communicate to yeah. Yeah. a boss or a loved one yes. or someone that you're in an altercation with yes. or maybe even making a decision. Um, yes. You know, there are three steps before that. Um, yeah. And I usually go from event to communicate. Yeah. You're one of those ready, fire, aim girls. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what does living with anger do? Kills you and destroys everything around you. It's like, you know, living with uh, drinking a cup of battery acid every day. Mm. It mm -hmm. has a corrosive effect inside of you. And that's, that's, met, that's so well established. You know, even, you don't even need German new medicine for that one. Yeah. <laughs> our, our regular medicine and psychology will tell you that. That, you know, holding these, this emotional discomfort in your heart for any long period of time will ultimately, it hardens your heart. Well, yeah, it's just like if you're living with anger, like are you just pumping more cortisol through your body? Like is that how, like yep. is that what you mean by that? Yep. All the stress hormones are just elevated mm -hmm. in your bloodstream. Yeah. Literally changing your biology, your physiology. Yep. And over time it causes your, your glands to break down, and then that causes your body to break down. And then they fill you with drugs to get you back on track and, you know, hypertension, uh, diabetes, can, all of these, all of these degenerative, long-term chronic situations, are a function of unresolved emotional conflicts. Mm. That's my theory. So maybe mm -hmm. ask yourself some questions today. Yeah. Yeah. What do I want? Why do I think I can't get it? And what can I do? What can I do differently? Yeah. But they have to be really meaningful questions. You can't just say, "Oh, I want a new car." You know. Yeah. I want I want my husband to change his behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That doesn't that doesn't fly. No. <laughs> there has to be accountability in yeah. the statement. In other it words, can be something. what do I want? Well, I do want my husband to be nicer to me. 
but what do I need to do that would cause him to respond that way? Yeah. Well, so then maybe the better answer would be, what do I want? I want a loving relationship. That would be the best answer. I want a loving relationship. Yeah. And how can I go about being, so what kind of person do I need to become to actually be in a loving relationship? Yeah. You know, if I'm firing off with anger every other day, that's not going to be a loving relationship. Yeah. So I have to, I have to change that, yes? Yeah. And then I have to change my victim stories. Stephen... You're incredible. Thank you so (laughs) much for the time that you've given us. I feel like things are clear. And also I have a whole bunch of like personal questions coming up too. So if our listener finds themselves in that position, where can they find you? Give me a call. Yeah. My number and my email address, just reach out, text me and we'll talk. Yeah. So scroll down to the show notes and find Mm -hmm. all this information. Stephen would love to help you. Yeah. He's helped me. Help me just barely. <laughs> That's the conversation I needed today. Thank you so much for joining me in my needed conversation. Law <laughs> <laughs> of attraction, baby. Wow. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate Steve. it. We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.